Welcome to Be the CEO of Your Life and Business podcast with your hosts, Laura Katina and Amy Mara. This podcast was created for businesswomen in particular who are juggling pursuing their career, family life, and all of the things that come along with it. We know that building a career, running a business, and running your life can sometimes seem near impossible. In the Be the CEO of Your Life and Business podcast, Laura and Amy are going to share their experience of building their own careers as female attorneys, raising a family, and their journey to maintain wellness through it all. With more than 25 years of combined experience practicing law and years of juggling business, family, and wellness, they are about to have some very real and honest discussions about what it takes to manage it all and share tips, tools, and truth about how they make it all work. Welcome back to another episode of the Be the CEO of Your Life and Business podcast. We are very happy to have you back listening. We're excited about this topic because Laura and I are attorneys and we do like to interweave some legal issues, especially ones that are very relevant to us and relevant to our audience, which are business owners. And so this topic this week, we would like to talk about what happens when you have customers that have outstanding balances with you and they aren't paying you. What are your next steps? Um, Both Laura and I have a lot of experience with this. We have represented businesses who find themselves in situations where they have customers or vendors or subcontractors that they've been working with or working for that at the time that they demand payment, they don't pay them. And they end up either ignoring the payment requests or they go MIA completely on them. And so oftentimes we'll have to counsel clients as to what steps to take in moving forward, what kind of options the clients have at that point. Um, And we've also been on the other end of things as well in defending certain businesses and customers um, when payment demands come to be. But really for today's topic and for for today's podcast, we want to focus on when you are the business owner yourself and you are facing this issue where you have a non-paying customer, what do you do next? Yeah. And one of the reasons that this has come up for me, and we decided to talk about it um, this week, is that I've had some business clients lately reach out and say, you know, I have these customers that I can just cannot get to pay me. What, what am I supposed to do? And these, you know, these are clients that I've been working with for a long time, but I do get, you know, new clients that call and say, I have somebody that owes me money. What do I do for these particular clients? It was interesting because these are customers that have owed them money for quite some time, but it's Mm -hmm. just now that I'm hearing about it. (laughs) Right. And so that's the case. it happens like that for us. <laughs> so we always say, and I even think we put it on our website, like in our general counsel services section, that it's so often that we don't become involved in a situation for a client until it's almost like too late to go back <laughs> and to resolve it. Right. So, you know, when I was speaking with him, he told me, you know, it's been months and months since it's been going on. And it can be awkward because with you know certain customers like for him they had a great relationship and so work was going on he wasn't getting paid but he and like so right so many business owners he's so busy that he lost track of it and because there was such a great relationship with this customer um, or contractor 
you know, it just went on. He didn't pay. He let it go. And then one day you realize, oh my God, it's been like almost a year Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they owe me all this money. Now what? Um, And if you're in a contractor situation, there's certain, you know, timeframes within which you can place a lien on a building and like all these different things that you have to consider. And if you let it go that long, that time has passed. So when we talked about it, I said, okay, now what? It's been all this time. I can't collect from this person. I'm emailing him, calling him. He's not calling me back. And at that point in time is when you might need to get an attorney involved. But we talked about what are the steps that you know, him, not just him, but other clients could have taken to avoid being in the situation where they are now. And that is stay on top of it. I know it can be awkward and to, you know, keep asking for the bills to be paid from somebody who you have a great relationship with. But at the end of the day, you've done the work. They asked you to do the work. Many circumstances, you have a contract for the work and you deserve to be paid. So to keep making those efforts early on to keep track of the balances, who owes you money and, you know, send those collection letters, do everything you can before you have to reach out to an attorney to collect that money, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's it's a bigger topic too within the smaller topic of administratively staying on top of your business. I think we said this in our previous podcast, like we as attorneys do legal work all day long, but we're still running a business. So we have business duties. We have responsibilities to the business itself. And so It can get really difficult when you have a lot of things popping up and you just lose sight of that. You lose sight of what the outstanding accounts are. You don't make the time to sit with your bookkeeper, your accounts manager. But also the other thing that I love that you brought up too, Laura, was like, if you're representing a contractor, it becomes a bigger conundrum because there are so many moving parts in that, right? If you are representing a general contractor and they have a subcontractor or vice versa, and that maybe the owner's not paying or the client's not paying or whomever, there are so many more people that get involved in it. It's not just a, you know, straightforward, I am a contractor who does lawn services and I mowed somebody's lawn and they haven't paid me. That's a two-party relationship there. But then when you get into these bigger situations where you have multiple parties involved, it becomes a multifaceted issue and more complex. Yeah. And it can get really complicated. So what are some of the steps that you can take initially, especially if you have an attorney that your business works with, that you have a a good relationship with, and they provide all different kinds of like general counsel services for you, let them know earlier on (laughs) that you have somebody that's not paying you. And like, if I had somebody that came to me and it had been like maybe a couple months that they were owed money, I would say, you know, just keep following up with them every week, send an email, make a phone call, but don't let it go more than, you know, a couple more weeks because at that point in time, what would we do, Amy? We would get involved and then we would send a letter from our firm looking to collect the money. Something that I'd like you to talk about in the interim is looking into what the customer's situation is. Like look at the amount owed and is it even worth chasing this person? Right. So, I have had recently, I have had a couple of different scenarios and I I will go off tangent just a tad because I know we're talking from the perspective of the business owner, but even as the perspective of the customer, and let's say your contractor isn't doing work for you, you know, there are 
many different scenarios where this information as to how to evaluate your case, how do you evaluate the scenario comes into play. And it can be universal to different scenarios. But what I would first do is I would first recommend to the business owner to obtain a search of the business, a background check of the business. And that includes doing a judgment search. I would like to say that businesses are all very reputable and they care about their reputation and they care about being professional and they care about delivering the best services, but really that's not the case always. And we have had so many different scenarios between the two of us over the years where there's a a customer or a contractor that just completely flakes and does not care about making payments and just takes their goods and they run with it. And so my first question is, okay, well, if I am counseling my client to move ahead with collection efforts, even before a lawsuit is commenced, I would suggest to the, the client, to the business owner, let's evaluate the customer. Let's see whether or not they have judgments stacking up against them. And we're just going to get in line at the end of a very long line of people. That goes for other businesses. That goes for individual customers. Um, you know, everybody's personal and financial information is not completely and wholly out there, but you can find a lot of information about the financial wherewithal of a business and a person by doing some basic searches. See if they have judgments against them, liens against property, see if they've filed for bankruptcy, see if they have background checks that you can obtain against a company or an individual to ascertain Do they own any other properties? Where are those properties located? Will this become a multi-jurisdictional effort for you that they have properties in New York and New Jersey or in multiple states that you're going to have to try and attach? And, you know, where do they work? Who's their employer? Do they have steady income? All of these questions are very important, I think, at the intake portion of the conversation with your client because you're going to get a greater overview of what are you up against, really. Exactly. And so this leads us to once you look at the scenario, see how much they owe you, take the steps that that Amy just talked about. If you do decide that it's worth it to pursue and you can continue your own individual um, efforts, sending emails, whatever. But um, if you get an attorney involved, what, what we would say, and of course you have to, you know, consult with your own counsel. We're just talking generally about, you know, what we say to our business clients, but If we're going to get involved and send a letter from our firm, typically what we would do is say, okay, we represent so-and-so, we understand you owe, you know, ABC, certain amount, you know, and give them a certain time frame to, to pay that amount. And then, you know, if they don't, I always say, I don't like to just send letters. If I'm sending a letter on behalf of a client, I want them to be prepared that if this customer doesn't pay them to actually pursue the collection efforts, you know, by a lawsuit, because I think, you know, at least in our experience, if you send like empty letters like that, and then you don't follow through the customer who already hasn't been paying you for God knows how many months just doesn't take your collection efforts seriously because you've had now had an attorney send a letter and you're still not suing them. So, you know, they'll just either not pay you at all or just take their time and and pay you down the road. We like to be serious if we're going to send a letter like that. You know, on the same side, you know, we always try to recommend 
trying to resolve it before you have to file that lawsuit. A lot of times when we send that letter, that will prompt a phone call from the customer, either from the customer or if they have an attorney that they work with. And that will enable us to, to resolve that. So we always like to try to resolve these issues before heading into litigation, which you know can get super expensive for the client. But if we do have to end up in litigation and you sue them and you actually are successful, Amy has a lot more experience than I do in a judgment collection. So I want her to talk a little bit about you know, okay, you've, you've done the, the legwork, they still haven't paid you, you send the demand letter, you sue them, you end up getting a judgment, now what? And this goes back to exactly what I was mentioning before. When we get to the point where we now have to do post-judgment collection efforts, you are basically starting from square one. While, I, and I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I have had clients come to me, and these are sophisticated business owners, they've been in business for a really long time, and they say to me, well, I have a judgment though. I'm like, okay. And that judgment is basically worth the weight of the paper right now until you actually can find the assets to collect on um, or get the debtor to finally pay you. Um, And it is a long, exhausting process. And, you know, again, this is, I think, why it's very funny. I have a lot of business clients of mine who I have said to over the years, This exact phrase. It is not like an attorney to tell you this, but filing a lawsuit might not be the best thing for you, right? (laughs) And it's not to to deter the business aspect of me, you know, being your attorney and representing you in a lawsuit, but lawyers only don't start lawsuits. We can also help be very strategic about how people can get the desired results that they want and do them in the most cost-effective and cost-benefit way so that they're not spending more money trying to chase down the judgment amount than the actual judgment amount it is. So you have to have these conversations early and often. And when you have a great relationship, like Laura said, you have a great relationship with a client and you do those general counsel services, you can talk to them in such a way that they can understand, I'm looking out for your best interest, your bottom line, your interest in your reputation and the industry that you're in, your relationships with these vendors. So let's try and be as cooperative as possible. And, you know, when it comes to the point, though, that the relationship can't be salvaged and you've got this judgment and you have to move forward, you have to take the time to evaluate whether or not it's even worth it to continue. Because at this point, you've already spent money on litigation to get to the judgment. And now you're going to have to spend money in the post-judgment collection efforts, whether you do your judgment search at that point, because you haven't done one yet, whether you have to enter into a certain fee arrangement with the attorney that you're working with, whether it's hourly on contingency, how that's going to work out. Um, But you as a business owner are going to continue to spend your good money in chasing after what could be that bad money that you might not ultimately find. Because great, you have the judgment. Okay, fine. Um, But so what are some of those steps that you take once you have a judgment? Like how can you go about figuring out whether these people have money? Right. So what I would do is I would likely do a judgment search, lien search, background check, find out if it's an individual debtor. I would find out what their employment status is. Are they earning wages? Do they have bank accounts that are local that can be attached? 
And there's a lot of information that you can get with certain professionals that are licensed in private investigation services, are able to obtain background checks for you. And so these are some of the strategies that you can employ. You can also do searches on county clerk websites in order to establish whether or not they, the person or the entity has assets and what kind of assets they have. Um, I know I had a case that involved a company that had a lot of equipment that we could also possibly levy and have the sheriff go and actually possess um, or dispossess, excuse me, the uh, customer of these assets. But it took a lot of digging and it takes time. I also had another case, which I won't say what it was, but that went on for years and years. This is what I want people to understand, like why we always counsel people to try to avoid this situation because the one case you had where they had bank accounts in New York and then you found them in New Jersey. And then, I mean, can you talk about that for a second? Like the intensity and amount of effort that it, and that, that case was, was basically a million dollar case. Um, Million dollar case spanned over the course of years. (laughs) I think it was five or six years from start to finish. Gosh, we had a really patient client, but the client really trusted us. And in that case in particular, I felt very much like a spy and <laughs> private investigator myself. I did, I put in a lot, a lot of work to put the puzzle pieces together, which I enjoy that kind of work. So it's, it's great. I can, I definitely like to sink my teeth into it. That case in particular, we had a, a debtor that was very sophisticated in the way that they were trying to hide their assets from us. And we were very persistent though. And there's no match for you though. I know no match for me. (laughs) No, we, we got a very, 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 very favorable settlement out of that case. Client was extremely happy with it. And what it ultimately took me doing was being really creative, ending up forging relationships with people that were close to the debtor and being able to ask the right questions, obtain the right information I needed, and finding that this debtor was trying to hide money out of state, which is a big no-no. And you know, there are certain legal actions that can be commenced for any de- conveyances that are done to fraudulently hinder the efforts of ju- a judgment creditor. And it's a very powerful lawsuit. It also takes a lot of time. I've had to employ it more times than I think I'm happy to have employed it in the past three years alone. But oftentimes it's very successful because not only can you obtain your, your judgment amount, but you can also obtain the attorney's fees that your client spends in the course of that action. And, you know, it's about it being a long battle and about your client understanding that it is not just a quick fix. I can't just show up at this debtor's business and say, I have a judgment against you. They'll just Baby, please. <laughs> Pay me, please. That hasn't worked so far. (laughs) Hasn't worked so far. If it does, I'll come back and I'll tell you guys, you know, but it really has not worked so far. So it's just really, and Laura opened this podcast and talking about this, you having the relationship with an attorney that serves in a general counsel capacity for you, where you can have these conversations, you can really explain to them the ins and outs of your business and really evaluate for yourself as a business owner. Is there a hole that I need to fill? Is there a void in my business practices that I need to work on to make sure that I'm not letting these balances accrue over a period of time and I'm not letting them go for 
you know, a year or two at a time, really nipping that in the bud and seeing if it's something that on your end as a business owner, you can forecast and that you can prevent in some way. Yeah. And so these scenarios, the cases that Amy was talking about um, that she's worked on are like the extreme, right? Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. where it, it gets to the point where you're in litigation, you get a judgment, and then you have to chase them to collect on that judgment. Our goal is to always avoid that scenario um, and start in the very beginning with, you know, sending emails, send a letter, and hopefully, you know, once you send, a, if you get to the point where you send a letter from, from an attorney, that will resolve the situation. But if it doesn't, then, you know, you, you have certain steps that you need to take to move forward. But our goal is to always resolve it beforehand. But it is an issue for, you know, so many business owners that they have people that owe them money. And the issue has come up quite frequently lately for us. So we wanted to come on here and talk about it today. So we hope that these tips have been helpful for you. And we look forward to speaking with you next week on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Be the CEO of Your Life and Business podcast. If you have not already done so, be sure to leave us a rating and review so that we can reach even more businesswomen just like you. We will see you again next Monday for a brand new episode.